Hello and welcome to another episode of another football podcast special edition. Why? Because it's after hours. Uh, we're we're recording this after hours, and I'm just thinking, Tom, if you were still in London, it would be six a.m. for you, and it would still be midnight for me. So just think of that time. But we're not. We're finally in the same time zone, but. It is still an after hours edition. So you guys know what that means. Anything and any anything <laughs> will be can be said um, without having a conscience about it regarding football, the beautiful game of football, Liga Americas, El Tri and Mexicans abroad. And with me, Tom. Mande. <laughs> You're getting the hang of it. You're getting the hang of it, Tom. <laughs> ¿Cómo está? Uh, bien, bien. ¿Y tú? También, también. Por fin en la misma hora. Uh, finally in the same time zone. So, are you ready for our after hours special edition? Let's go for it. You guys are going to see like a dark, twisty Tom at points. <laughs> Just warning signs. <laughs> Tom, why are you laughing? You know it's true. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Okay. Okay. So... On today's menu, we are going to talk about Liga MX because we are almost to the end. And we all love the Liga MX drama, especially coming down to the last two, three jornadas because the race is on for those last couple of slots to get into La Liga. And we had a couple of games this weekend that were kind of decisive and kind of would set the tone either for being eliminated out of the race of La Liga or just adding up and escalating on the table still trying to achieve so we're gonna start with friday's games morelia versus tigres an important game for both teams as we know tigres has kind of maintained a a weird position throughout this season they haven't been the most consistent with their wins Uh, i think we mentioned in podcasts before where they have a numerous amount numerous like losses and ties and it's just hasn't been adding up um so definitely a game where it was very it was a determining game for Morelia and Tigres the result ending in a 2-0 for Tigres red card for Morelia by Achilla yeah Gabriela Achilla okay and a golazo from Valencia, the second for the night. So, Tom, talk to me about Morelia versus Tigres. Well, like you say, it was a very, very important game for me, the most important game of the weekend. Two sides in and around that Ligia race, and it was a fa- fascinating game to watch. Really was, really interesting for me. And Morelia started off very well, very well in this game, and then... The Achillea red card was as crucial as, I mean, any, he, he for me is their most significant player at, at Morelia. So mm-hmm. absolutely pivotal. And what was so interesting about this is that it was given by VAR. So this for me is the first real significant uh, use of VAR within Liga Mekis. This is the first big impact that we've seen uh, from the vi- video assistant. After that, obviously, as you'd expect, Tigres completely dominating possession. Morelia uh, are normally pretty effective at defending deep, um, but 
their defense is marshaled by Achillier. He is the man, if a ball goes into the box, he is the man who dominates. He's the man who wins those physical challenges. He's the man who leads the side, who organizes the defense. And without him, it was always going to be a massive, massive task for them to hold out Tigres. And they did for a, for a long while, actually. They did until the 58th minute when they gave away a penalty. And then um, uh, the game was wrapped up with, like you said, with that Valencia golazo, which was, you know, it came, it came from Tigres hitting on the counter. But Valencia's work was absolutely mm. phenomenal, the way he beat the defender and then finished. Uh, and from then, it was really game over. So VAR giving Tigres a massive win. Without the, that intervention, who knows if uh, if they would have gone on to win the game? I mean, at the time, Morelia were looking like the better side, and you know they're coming off the back of three wins in a row, so massive impact um, and big, big win for Tigres. Definitely, I think that red card definitely um, set the tone for the game because it was an early red card, so you already see Morelia down with ten men. So it's kind of you're put into a place where we're just going to have to defend and be careful on Tigres' counterattack. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, for Tigres, I mean, they currently sit in seventh place after this win with 23 points. They are facing Puebla this weekend, which is pretty interesting because we'll talk about the Puebla-Chivas game in a sec. Um, but another game where it's a very crucial game especially for Puebla if they get three points they're tied they would be tied with Tigres at that point um point behind me point behind Tigres but Puebla has nine Puebla 19 Tigres 23 gotcha yeah it'd be oh I'd be moving them closer yeah Um, I mean it keeps them in the race yeah definitely so it's interesting and then you know you see how VAR really influenced this game let's let's just think the next two jornadas and if it comes down to a game where it's a very crucial game like if VAR were to influence it in the wrong way then that would really suck for whoever team would be affected because it could be like a do or die decision at that point um, towards the end of the chaos but um, moving on to the next Friday game because like we were talking about um, earlier that day, like that Friday was a pretty good uh, Liga Mekis Friday. We, it meant, in, we mentioned like, it in the last podcast, didn't we? We said, that, yeah. you know, that was the day. Yeah. Yeah. So the next game that we had was Puebla versus Chivas. And we kind of had a joke about this, me and Tom, because I told <laughs> because earlier in the game, Chivas was up 2-0. Um, Pulido scored early, setting the uh, 1-0, and then Pereira. And then it was kind of like a 2-0, and I told Tom, Puebla is not coming back. Like, it's not happening. And it goes back to that 2-0 scoreboard, where a 2-0, it's, nothing's defined. A 2-0 is that, that scoreboard that anything can happen. They can come back. They can tie. They can, um, they could just win i mean it's it's that kind of a scoreboard and that's what happened uh the game ended in a 2-2 um so you should never trust a 2-0 which i should take my own advice for next time but a game that was very 
crucial for Chivas, which in the end result, it eliminated them from La Liguilla. And if we talk about Chivas, we talk about everything that has happened from the start of the season where they let go Almeida and they get Cardoso. They sell their best player, Pizarro. They choose not to buy Cota because Chivas was having financial problems at that time, so they could not afford him. Um, and now they're out of the Liguilla and is they're not winning at home compared to last season. They there's nothing no change there. So it's just a disaster season for Chivas. And it's frustrating because they have the 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 Club World Cup coming up soon. So they're out of La Liguilla. I mean, could they really have something to look forward to at this point, you know? Yeah, I mean, for a Chivas perspective, this has got to be a, a very, very disappointing game. To go 2-0 up at Pueblo in 11 minutes, you, you expect to come away with the victory. And to be honest, they were very fortunate to come away uh, with a point in the end. Um, Pueblo will be disappointed. And it is a game, I think, that sums up Puebla quite a lot, in, in a way. And the reason why is because I think they're quite a good team. Uh, what I like about Puebla is how flexible they are. And we've seen them play with three centre-backs. We've seen them play a 4-3-3. We've seen them play with two up front at times. And they're quite effective within all those formations. And what they're able to do well is change the game by making substitutions and not just um, not just a direct substitution or not a, a kind of classic okay we need a goal let's take off a defender and chuck on an attacker but but uh, okay this formation isn't working we're going to make one change we're going to switch up the formation uh, and we saw that against Chivas when uh, 31 minutes into the game out goes Jorge Esperiqueta, a central midfielder, and on comes Felix Mikolta, a more attacking player, uh, a direct player, a dribbler, what a fantastic dribbler. Very hard to get the ball off him. And I think they've been very good at this all season. And this game, very similar to when I saw Puebla at Pumas. Again, 2-0 down early on, disappointing. Poor goals conceded, should have done better. I mean, that first goal, that Polito goal, very disappointing goal to concede. And you think this game over, you think they're out of it, but they change things up. They switch up the formation, they get themselves back into the game, and after the Polito red card, they will be very disappointed not to have got the three points. The draw keeps them just about in the Ligier race, but it, it looks like it could, it looks like it's probably going to be a season of almost. You know, what if we hadn't have had those poor starts against Pumas and Chivas could we have won those games what if we didn't throw away the three points against Lobos I think there's going to be some frustration uh, within Puebla because yeah maybe they cause a big shock against Tigres next week and they go on to surprise everyone and get in Ligia but they could have been further up the table now mm -hmm. I agree you know these type of games they they're very crucial and then when this things happen you can kind of see the cause and effect of each team and or the could have and the would have like what if they would have done this like even for the Chivas um, people the Chi the goats all the goat fans they from the beginning of the season and I can relate because my Leon for the beginning of the season I would turn to to my goat friends and we would say it's going to be a long season and, and that's what it's been a lot of inconsistencies and 
But it shouldn't have okay. been for Chivas. It, it really shouldn't have been. And we, we spoke about them a few weeks ago. We both said, this team's playing well. This team is going to get in, themselves into Ligia. And remember, they went on a great run. Mm. Midway they through did, the season, they went on a great run. And I think it comes back to that Querétaro game for me. That, for me, is, is a massive game. Because they dominated this game completely. I mean, in the 88th minute, they conceded one shot. And we know in the rest of the game they conceded six more and Camilo got the equaliser. They should have won this game. And since then, they, they haven't won. Would you say that Chivas has been playing better than Tigres? That's a, that's a very, very difficult question. Uh, I'm just asking because, to me, Tigres hasn't been playing like we know Tigres has been playing, yet they're seventh on the table and they have kind of here and there mediocre games where they're just barely getting by I think um, Tigres have more individual quality in their team which is very very important um, and so I couldn't I couldn't really say right now who's played better you've, you've really put me on the spot with that oh, question it's, it's, it's after hours you're allowed to say <laughs> what your heart feels Overall, I would say they've been about even this season. Um, and you're very disappointed with that answer. I am, I am. But I think Tigres' individual quality uh, means it is why they're, they're ahead of the table. But both have, both have disappointed at times, but I really thought Chivas were going to make the playoffs. Um, Here's my after-hours comment. And Chivas fans won't be happy with me saying this, but I'm kind of glad. People who know me know I don't like Cardoso. I was not happy when they appointed him. I, I thought it was a, a, a very, just very disappointing. I mean, the guy has come off the back of doing three terrible jobs with Puebla, with Chiapas, with Veracruz, playing, playing awful football, um, not exciting at all and very very unsuccessful and so to see him not succeed has, has vindicated me so but don't you think he was kind of set up like he knew the situation in Chivas he knew he wouldn't be able to acquire more players it was kind of like Chivas was like this is the our only this is what we have can you coach? Yes or no? Because honestly, at that point when Almeida left, who else could they turn to? And if they turn to those people, who else would be willing to take a broken Chivas? Because that's what they were, a broken Chivas. And to this point, they still are. So, like, and, and I totally understand because we both have said, like, I don't like Carlos either. I don't agree with him. It's just a situation that was kind of structured like that. And I think I would agree that I'm kind of glad that they didn't because I think maybe this is what they needed to touch ground and say, okay, we need to get this together for next season. What are we thinking? What are we going to do? Are we going to, are we going to invertir in jugadores that are going to give us results? I mean, I think Chivas is going to have to pick it up in every position. They're going to have to get new, new people because you can't keep relying on, you know some of the older players that are slowly fading out and you have some youngsters but you, you you just need some kind of backbone that is in the prime right now 
and some of those players are not. So I think it's just looking ahead and really just restructuring this Chivas because other than that, they're, I mean, it's kind of like you're sending them without um, fuel to a war come World Cup, come um, Club World Cup. Like, what team are they going to, what 11 are they going to be successful with in Club World Cup? Tell me right now. You well, can't. well, well, no one. Um, I mean, who's ever been successful from Mexico in Club World Cup? But at, but but right now, looking at Chivas, it's like not even a possibility to like at least look decent. No, I mean, I think there's still quality in the squad. I think there's. I'm I not think there's, there's still. Quality, a, I think saying. there's a lot of quality in that squad. You've, so who you wouldn't replace anybody for next season? I would. I think. I think the difficulty is finding. Um, finding the best way to, f- to fit in certain players. Uh, I think Alan Polito is a big, big problem player because he's emerged, he was signed as a goal scorer, I think, by Chivas. He was signed as, as their main striker. And he's not. He is a second striker. He is a creative player. He's a very good creative player. He's not a great goal scorer. You pair him with Angel Zaldiva, I don't think that's the right combination of, of strikers. And then they've got a stockpile, let's be honest, a stockpile of young Mexican strikers, none of whom uh, have, have featured particularly regularly. Um, one of whom, Ronaldo Cisneros, you know, it was touted as the big prospect because he was scoring at youth level, is out on loan. Um, the other thing is, again, why is Chavis not... Why was he not the key man? You know, who thought, okay, they, they lost Pizarro, big loss. Why was Choffis not put in that position as the guy to step up and, uh, and be the key creative player? And, um, you know, a lot of decisions in, in within Liga Mekis in terms of players, players starting lineups, um, transfers don't make sense to me and uh, a lot of it comes down to the fact that I'm sure there is very very little look at any sort of useful statistics to help people out you know accurate recall after a after a football match is about 30 to 40 percent so you cannot rely on just your eyes uh, if you want to do effective scouting you have to you have to harmonize uh, what you see with your eyes and what the data is showing you and cross-reference and question and analyze and think think deeply uh, about the two things together and try to come up with an answer try to work out which player is going to be more effective in my side which player is going to be useful in, in this position in that position what sort of job are they going to do for me and I don't think that's done enough and something which which clearly shows this to me and uh People who follow the Liga Mekis official Twitter account will have seen recently they've been tweeting some data, uh, quite a lot from that's come from the partnership with Goldstats, which is a Mexican company, and uh, this new uh, center of uh, inteligencia that that they have. I'm not. I can't remember the exact name. Um, and all these clubs get the same amount of data. And look, I, I know the data the clubs get. Uh, and I see the data they put out. Now, the data the clubs get is a little bit better than the data they tweet out, but not much. And the data they tweet out is as basic and as useless as it gets. Um, and it, honestly, I'm, I'm really trying to give you the after hours thing here. 
as you said it. No, honestly, it, it fills me with, with two emotions. One is, is of quite disappointment that this is the level, and one is a lot of happiness and pride that I know that I, what I'm doing, what I'm putting together is a lot better. So if you guys are interested in hiring Tom, you can call me at 214. <laughs> and then if you really are interested, send me a DM and because I am his agent. So if you guys want to hire Tom, just let me know. Um, he is open to options. Um, anyways, I know I, I, I totally agree with, with you. Um, that really so. went off on a tangent, didn't it? I mean, I feel like you just needed to get that out. <laughs> Looking at your face, saying that you're like, "Oof!" Like this is this is what I needed to say. This is how I feel. So emotional, Tom. Um. Okay. With that, let's move on to our next game. Pachuca versus Nicaxa. Pachuca with a perfect night, with a perfect performance from Pocho Guzman I have to say it I watched that game I loved it every single second of it it was kind of like goal back to back goal goal I just kept hearing goal 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 and it was just a great match um Pachuca ended up winning 6-2 Pocho Guzman with a perfect light like I had said four goals and the last and Hara had a brace and he actually his last, um, the last play on that, Hara could have scored it to get his hat trick, but he was unselfish and he knew Pocho Guzman was having a great night, so might as well just add one more goal on his scoreboard. Pachuca, that was a very, very dominant team, and it was just a very fun match to watch on Pachuca's side. Let's talk about Necaxa. This was a Necaxa that's very disoriented ever since uh, Leaño left. A really funky lineup that really questioned me saying okay i know they have nothing to win i know they're just like what are they doing like it was just like a really funky lineup they let they left davila on bench it was it was just like a mashup of players and to this point i think since they have nothing to play for they were like you know what let's just give opportunity to these other players and you know make some weird lineup up and just go out there and that's what they did so um very broken nikaxa that just was like lost the whole time very dominant for Pachuca so yeah I mean just quickly on the Necaxa side I think it comes back again to what we've said many many times is that their recruitment uh, was not good enough this summer defensively mainly defensively you know like mm -hmm. Lichnovsky De Luna and Barovero were fantastic all three of them and the combination, the Deluna Lichnovsky combination was brilliant. And now Hugo Gonzalez, <laughs> Ventura Alvarado. Uh, this this game, uh, Jesus Vena got a start and obviously didn't have a great game. It's It's been Donaldo uh, a lot this season. He's, he's done quite well, to be fair to him, the, the youngster, in difficult circumstances. But yeah, Pachuca, the positives. Um, of Guzman, I mean, we've talked about him a lot. I wrote an article about him just before, uh, it was before this game. I, I said about how his development has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Uh, he's just become such a well-rounded and threatening attacking midfielder with phenomenal output. 
and uh, I said, you know, as if he keeps it up, if he keeps improving, he is going to cement himself as Mexico's best attacking midfielder and a player who can move to Europe. And what does he go and do straight away? He scores four goals in his next game. And uh, the first goal I love, you know, a couple of them were just tappings, but the first goal I love because that is Guzman right there. The timing of the run into the box is just perfection. And then he finishes it off. Uh, the third goal as well was a, a superb finish. I, I, I've said it many times. This guy is brimming with confidence. He looks, uh, you know, he, he has just elevated himself into a, one of the best players in Liga Mekis this season. And Pachuca, again, we've said many times, they can be a big, big threat in the gear. Franco Jara as well doesn't get enough of a mention. I think has been very unfortunate and and harshly treated in a way you know getting dropped by Alonso I, I never thought he deserved it I think his whole time in Mexico he has been absolutely fantastic he's got a good goal scoring record and he is one of the most creative strikers that there is in Liga Mekis I'm a massive fan of his I think he doesn't get talked about enough and um, you know Pachuca have a bit of a dilemma because in Ojoa as well they've got one of the best strikers in the league. They've got Sagal, who's a great player. They've got uh, Palacios, who can uh, put in some fantastic performances too and be very, very creative. This team's got a lot going for them uh, going forward. Um, still not... I, it's not the best defence, you know, not quite convinced defensively, but we've been saying it for a while. If it comes together, this team is going to be a threat in Ligia. And, um, yeah, sticking by that. As well as Guzman, Aguirre had a good night too. Uh, I know we've always been roller coaster up and down with him, but he did have a good a good night that that um that game, especially connection with Guzman. And I think I'm I'm really excited to see this Pachuca and especially in like in Liguilla. I mean, I'm excited to see Pocho. Just what he's done currently, it's just kind of like well, what what more can he do? Um, so. It, it, it's going to be very, very interesting. But I'm really, really happy with the win that they got. And, uh, and yeah. So, let's move on to America Toluca. Tom, you went to your second home, the Azteca. Because you just happened to live near the Azteca. Kinda. And you were telling me, Kari, should I go? <laughs> yes, Tom. Go to the game. Go. Fly away like an Aguila to the stadium. That sounds really corny, guys. Um, anyways, so <laughs> Tom stopped laughing at me. Starts after hours, like I'm allowed to say corny stuff like that. Okay. America Toluca 1 1. Tom, you were there drinking a beer, eating some tacos, probably from the stands, enjoying the crowd the atmosphere of the Azteca in this game talk to me about this game the best thing was the atmosphere to be honest uh, it was really good atmosphere it was very fun you know I sat on the opposite side to where I've sat before so I was kind of the middle tier right in between the the upper and the lower section of the, the kind of caged off America fans so the the noise was um, fantastic throughout the whole game and it was yeah it was a really fun atmosphere um, the game itself was very much one of those two sides 
going to be in Ligia sort of matches um, where we had hints of what could could come in the future what could be in Ligia uh, but eventually the game fizzled out especially after Toluca had a, a second goal uh, disallowed for offside after a check from the VAR and then you know the end of the game there was very little happening especially the last 10 minutes it started pouring down with rain and to be honest both sides seemed pretty content with the point but I don't think there was anything new to learn from this game um, again we saw Toluca looking very threatening on the counter-attack when they were able to counter we saw America individually fantastic uh, their you know their wide players getting on the ball beating players 1v1 winning fouls winning dribbles and we saw uh, pretty much what we know about these these teams the only couple of interesting things I mentioned one Pablo Barrientos returned to the side for Toluca he looked a little bit off the pace uh, phenomenal player very very talented but at his age coming back in, into um, into Liga Mekis after an injury is a bit difficult but he's got a few games to get himself ready for Ligia and America the interesting thing is to to see how how they use Peralta and Oribe. Um, so they they always will have their fullbacks go wide, their wi- their wingers go wide, and either Martin or Roger Martinez stay up front. Guido Rodriguez drops back, and then you've got Oribe and Peralta. And sometimes Oribe, sh- it's kind of confusing because they're both called Oribe. <laughs> Mateus <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> Mateus and Peralta. Let's say so. Sometimes Mateus kind of sits just in front of Guido. And Peralta sits just behind Martin or, or uh, Roger Martinez. And at sometimes it, it becomes more of a 4-3-3. And uh, Mateus moves up and Peralta drops back. And um, you get a different shape. So I saw that I've seen them use both. And at different times in the game, they mix it up. So it's, it's something interesting to note. What do you think about Roger Martinez because honestly he hasn't had the great season I think a lot is expected of him so it's like you put a man like Henry Martin who you know they both remind me and I'm gonna I'm gonna add this because it's after hours and it's gonna make sense hopefully to you um it reminds me of Real Madrid when Morata was at Real Madrid and Benzema So you had Benzema, who was always starting all the games, and it would be frustrating because he wouldn't deliver. That's how I see Roger. And you have Morata, who would come in as a sub, um, who who would rarely start, but who would come in as a sub for Benzema and had less minutes and less games, and his effectivity on the field was so much greater. And that's how I see Henry Martin. So what do you what can you tell me about that? Or do you agree? Do you disagree? I do agree. Uh, I think I think Martin is unfortunate. I think a lot you know a lot is to do with reputation. Um, Roger Martinez is is the big signing coming in, in the summer. Henry Martin is just a a Mexican striker they picked up who who didn't have a great reputation to be honest. Um, so it's tough to change perceptions 
but if you are to judge purely on performance and it comes back you know our our team's looking at data are they just judging on their opinions and um, Martinez has I think done very very well since moving to America he's really surprised me his scoring rate's been good not phenomenal but good uh, his efficiency in front of goal is good it's, it's, it's way better than Roger Martinez's this season and what's so impressive about him is um, is his creativity I mean Henry Martin has one of the highest frequencies of playing key passes or creating chances in Liga Mekis over the last two seasons. I thought this was really a fluke when he started off at America, but he's kept it up this season. And um, it's really, really impressive. Now, what Roger offers, which is different to Martin, is he's a better dribbler. He's a, for a striker, he's a very, very good dribbler. And then there's that dilemma, Do, because America, do they want to be a they are the the number one dribblers in Liga Mekis in terms of how often they do it how how much they decide to do it and how effective that they, that they are so do they want another dribbler up front to just be even better as a team uh, individually at 1v1s or do they say well you know what we've got the wingers who do that job for us up front we just want a guy who's just setting up a chance and, and uh, is finishing at a better rate. For me, that is more important. Mm-hmm. And I would say Mar- Martin should be starter, as he did against Toluca. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I think I agree. I think because of the reputation, the signing, he is kind of forced to start. But... Like you said, I think they both offer different qualities. And I guess depending on the match and kind of the style of play and what you want, then you kind of have to choose wisely. But I think a lot more is expected of him. And I think, especially the Americanistas, they know that. So I think they they just expect more. And, and you know, it's understandable. So we'll see where America lands. Because, I mean, as far as, you know, they're second... Um, on the table, yeah, clasificados a la liguilla, but can this team go far? I I don't know. I'm not confident. I'm more confident in Pachuca going further than America. I'm gonna be dead honest with you. Uh, I am confident in this America team. Okay. I, I mean, think... it's your second home, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think they're very. Uh... I think they're very, I've said before, I think they're, they're very well set up to be successful in Liga Mekis and the way that Liga Mekis works. The other thing about them is their, their centre-backs offer goals. This is something I realised today. America have a good history of, of goal-scoring centre-backs. Mm-hmm. Like Aguilar, um, Paolo Goltz. You know, Paolo in Goltz. recent times, they've had centre-backs who've popped up with goals at important times. Aguilera, Valdez are, are two more of those guys. I'm hoping Edson gets his call up because he's been pretty MIA with America, and I think you've you've said as this I predicted, before. as I predicted, he 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 was banned. Aguilera and Valdez played, and he hasn't got in the team since. Um, that's exactly what I expected to happen. And mm-hmm. and at the moment, Herrera's right to do so because the two are playing well. It's tough. It's tough on Edson. I mean, but America, America are stacked. You know, 
head there. Yeah. Their squad is stacked. They, they're sitting with Edson Alvarez, Cecilio Dominguez, Roger Martinez on the bench. Diego Linez is off playing at, a, um, at the sub-20. You know, this, this squad is just very, very strong. And it's unfortunate for certain players that they're missing out on game time. It's kind of like a Madrid. When it's too stacked, you can have stacked on bench and on field, and every decision is difficult to make. But True. Um, now let's move to our last and final game because you could not get enough of America versus Toluca. You did attend the Pumas-Cruz Azul match played on Sunday. You know, those Sunday games where, depending on the time, people either watch them or don't. <laughs> cough me sometimes um, you mean if it's at 12 you don't watch it <laughs> it's I, I try to Tom and it's hard to watch it I think it's easier to watch the 12 p.m. games live than on TV I, I really believe it's that. always easier to watch a game live <laughs> oh yeah but like I'm more like oh my god like I'll go watch like if it was if if um, Pumas was five minutes away from my house at the game at 12, yeah, best believe I'm going to go watch it live. But anyways. What about half an hour? <laughs> I would still make that drive. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so you did attend the Cruz Azul Pumas game, a Cruz Azul that very dominant, has had its little downs, but recently Copa Mekis champion, which, I mean, just them saying Cruz Azul is champion is, is awesome because they haven't won anything in so long and I congratulate my cousin and my uncle because they're very loyal Cruz Azul fans um, so a Cruz Azul that's already classificado en la liguilla and Cruz Azul won 2-1 um, I think Cruz Azul had a red card uh, yeah, 92 plus minutes yeah late on Atleta yeah, so Mendes at minute 16 scored, and then they were up 2-0 because Renteria scored at minute 80, and then Pumas responded, and then that's how the game ended. But you were there. Tell me about this game. It's a really great game, a really great game, and um, although it didn't quite match the, the food I had before, which was the best tacos I've had yet. You sent me a picture of it, and I was really, really jealous. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. But no, the game was good. It was very interesting, very interesting game because I thought it would be interesting before because you've got two sides that are similar, two sides that uh, don't have much of the ball, that are counter-attacking, that are very direct. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting to see how they'd match. Sometimes these games can be very dull if, if you just get two teams playing the exact same way. But what actually happened was Cruz Azul found a way to dominate. Uh, it was very, very clever stuff from Pedro uh, Caixinha because he had Marcone playing almost as another centre-back, which meant there was three, uh, three defenders to face up against Mora and Carlos Gonzalez. So they, ha they had the extra man there. And then he pushed on his fullbacks really, really high. So Mendes and Elias came inside, and he had Odrete and Madueña playing really high when they had the ball. And because they had the three up front, uh, the Pumas fullbacks had to come in to mark uh, the 
to Mark Mendes and Elias who were coming inside. And then the fullbacks went high and it was a risky strategy, but what it meant was that either they found themselves in space because Barrera and Martin Rodriguez weren't coming back to Mark and to defend. And the first goal from uh, Cruz Azul came from Aldrete in space on the left, getting the cross in and Edgar Mendes heading into the back of the net. Um, and if they weren't uh, free and open in space, they were marked by Martin Rodriguez or Pablo Barrera. And so this meant that uh, Pumas didn't have their wingers. Um, they, their wingers were so deep that when they tried to quickly counterattack, they didn't have that support. Uh, so, he, you know, he he really got the... Um, Cachinha really, really got the better of Patino in the start of the game. And then Patino responded. And it was a big, big surprise. Because just 32 minutes into the game, he takes off Alan Mendoza and puts on Matias Alustiza. So... He's now got three strikers on the pitch, and uh, it was a risky strategy, but by uh, just attacking, attacking Cruz Azul, he put Malcora playing as an attack-minded left-back. Um, he had Rodriguez and Barrera coming a little bit more central, and they weren't fully wide. Uh, they were coming a little bit more central and uh, looking to get on the ball and then, and then feed the, the front three, which was normally Alistisa playing a little bit behind the other two. And uh, that worked. It, it broke up the momentum I felt that Cruz Azul had and changed the game. But ultimately, in what was a pretty even game, I'd say, I think Cruz Azul's bit of extra defensive quality just shone through. But it was a really interesting game. Drop, Mike, uh, Tom drops the mic. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> one more thing, actually. One more thing. Okay. Seeing Piojo Alvarado in person was was really fun. Uh, he was he he didn't start the game, but he when, didn't start, yeah, so when he, he came on, he was absolutely fantastic. And um, whilst Edgar Mendes has that little bit of a goal threat because he's got some height, if they get crosses in the box, he's a bit of a threat. Alvarado overall is so much better. Yeah, he's very fun to watch. A really great youngster that um, made his move from Necaxa to Cruz Azul and is having a great season as well as the team is. Um, so definitely a huge plus. And and I think I said before, I really hope this Cruz Azul goes far because I think they deserve it, especially with the the quality of players that they have. They they have what it takes. It's just I think a mind thing, um, and all because. It's Cruz Azul, and they haven't made it to La Guilla, and they're cursed, and this and that. So I think after that, it's all mentally. Um, but it's interesting because looking at Pumas, they're sitting in uh, fourth on the table with 26 points. Their next two matches, they're going to visit Toluca at home, and they are playing Santos last yeah. jornada. So two very strong teams. Um, I think it's a very decisive, they're, they're very crucial games at this point, closing in. So I think it'll be interesting. And I think we'll see how this ends because I think in our pre-season podcast, we were talking about how Pumas, I, didn't, I don't think they were going to make it to La Liga. And I mean, at this point, I think what they, they would be if they... They'll be in the gear. They're on 26 points. I'd be surprised. What if they lose these next two matches? I would not be surprised about that. Put it that way. Yeah, you need a you need a lot to go against them, but 
You never know. You never know. They could. They. I mean, they definitely could. You've you've brought it up before. Their record against the the big teams is not great. Exactly. So, and just having that pressure of trying to close strong the next two matches facing Atoluca at at their home and then Santos. I mean, Santos had a rough rough game last weekend versus Querétaro. Querétaro won, which I was I was pretty happy. Um, because it was one of the teams that I told you in their preseason podcast that was kind of like a dark horse for the season. So And they've kept um, themselves right in the race with that win. Exactly. Very they big beat, win. They beat Santos. They beat Cruz Azul. They're in 10th with 22 points. 22 points just as Morelia and Pachuca. They're right there. And they've got Camilo Sanveso. <laughs> I mean, is there a better player in Liga Mekis? right now he's great i was i was remembering when he um tore his ligament i was like no like he was just having a great season twice. and that happened twice in a row yeah twice so it was kind of like it's very hard for those type of players to actually recover and be at least to somewhat of the same quality that they were before um if you look at ronaldo not Cristiano ronaldo the brazilian ronaldo he tore his acl twice too and he wasn't the same after so it's good to see that some players actually uh, re, re, uh, retake the form that they had and are able to get back to at least some of the prime that they were at and I, I really like San Beso so um, I'm really hoping Querétaro makes it too <laughs> yeah <laughs> at uh, this point. so much respect for Camilo um, he is a remarkable remarkable story I mean he's <laughs> he's better than he's ever been right now after yeah. two ACLs, it's unbelievable uh, what he's what he's managed to do, and I'm sure, obviously, he's had, must have had some amazing support from doctors and physios uh, in Caretero to get him back into shape. And uh, the work they've done is paying off because, like I said, uh, he might he might be player of the season. Seriously, he might be. I know F- Furch is a massive contender and. Uh, Difficult, difficult to look past for it. I really struggle saying his name, you know. I don't know why, Furch. <laughs> but but if we are, Camilo is uh, right up there, right up there. I mean, scoring and creating goals. This guy, he is phenomenal and such a talisman for Querétaro. I agree. I'm looking at this week 16 and I think the only two crucial matches are Tigres Puebla and Toluca Pumas like that can be a a determining factor of you know points and all that well I I think you you've still got to look at all the teams that uh, the the 8, 9 and 10 you know Friday night Querétaro and Pachuca have two very very winnable games they are, oh but, yeah, that's but, why I didn't say those because I think they're easy. But they're the away, <laughs> they're away. You know, it's it's, it's not Pachuca as easy. With Atlas, Ve- I mean, Pachuca Ve- with Atlas. Querétaro should be Veracruz. Atlas are unbeaten in three. They've only lost okay. one of their last four games. They have picked up their form. Um, they are playing better, and they are actually finishing chances. So, at that Atlas game is not a given for Pachuca. The way Pachuca are playing, they should win, but it's not a given. Um, so, and then Morelia go to Cholos. Doesn't have anything to play for. Ah. But, uh, doesn't what are they matter. Do? 
Well, I mean, I mean. No, you know it what? Doesn't, I take that back. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean they're not going to get a result. Sometimes, not. sometimes you, the pressure's off. You don't have anything to play for. You start to you start to play your best football without the pressure. Um, I take that back. You're right. Plus, maybe you, you you might have some youngsters who are looking to cement themselves as first team players. You've got players who might be either looking to move on to a different club, trying to impress scouts or. They're trying to stay at Atlas, trying to keep their contract and not get put on the list of the transferibles. You know, there's there's always um, certain things for individuals. Plus, some players don't care. I mean, some players will love playing football and they'll play every game as if it's the same, you know? They want to win. No, I agree. I, I take that back. Um, Leon could not beat Atlas. Very embarrassing because they played really horrible and again Atlas had nothing to play for Leon did but clearly they didn't get the message through prior to that game so the end result Leon at Liguilla no surprise so we'll, we'll see those matches on on Friday they will be pretty interesting as this past Friday's matches um Anything else, Tom, you want to add to our Liga MX Week 15 recap of our chosen games? <laughs> no, that's it. Um, I'm just excited. I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks because we've got one point between 7th and 10th right now. So I think it should be a very good Ligiero race coming up. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, Especially we'll if, if Friday night... If Caletero and Pachuca win, then the, you start to think, right, Tigres, even Toluca and Pumas, Monterrey, the pressure is on. I'm telling you, one of those Monterrey teams is not going to make it, and I'm going to be so happy about it. But just saying that, how many times has there been two weeks to go, and there's a team in 10th or 9th or something, and you look and you think, ooh. That's three point. They're going to get three points this weekend. They're going to move themselves up, and then somehow they lose to a team who are like 16th, 17th in the league. And you go, that's so disappointing because it would have been so much more interesting if you'd have won. It happens often, it, doesn't it? It it will happen. It's yeah. just something that they just really need to mentally just ignore and just play their game and know that the pressure is on because it's La Liga, but. It is what it is, you know? I know you love my, my saying. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, okay, so we'll expect lots of action. Week 16th. Um, Tom, or did you enjoy our after hours? <laughs> I don't think we were that bad at after hours. We didn't say anything too bad. I had a couple of moments, but... <laughs> It's different hearing you than seeing you have your moments. I'll tell you that. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed our special edition after hours of another football podcast. If you guys aren't not following Tom already, Tom, where can they follow you at? It's at Tom H underscore 36. If they're not following you already, Karina, where can they find you? You guys can follow me at... Cari Torres underscore seven. 
Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed our episode and tune in next week for our week 16 recap of Liga MX, the beautiful novela of Mexico. Um, thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.